Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Amen. Well, good morning, church family. And Wes, that was, that was sneaky. But yeah, <laughs> that was an out-of-the-blue experience this week. A bit surreal. I have no idea why they chose to have me come to, it was back to our alma mater, Cedarville University, and, but it was humbling, but also very, um, somewhat scary speaking to these students, and, and uh, moments before 10 o'clock, when I was, uh, would take the stage to speak, these guys show up. They had driven three hours. Our staff drove over to support me, and Tam, and um, I, it was, yeah, we've got the best team ever, and so thank you. And it's all him, isn't it? It's all the Lord. Any good that comes through us, it's his grace. And today, I, don't you love the uh, worshiping with our, our young people, our kids? And this is one of my favorite Sundays of the year, not just because um, everybody's sitting up close, which is awesome, paparazzi, but, uh, <laughs> but seeing our kids and, and uh, the childlike faith, uh, God calls us to come to him with as a child, and just that picture, but also the gift that they are to us and to our families, and God has been so good to us, and thank you. I leaves me thankful for our kids' ministry as well, and just praising God for Kimmy and Lindsay and the volunteers that give um, of themselves every week. For you parents, thank you. I know as a church family, we are here to support you and help you and pray and encourage you in this high calling, as well as grandparents, and just neat to see the ministry of, of grandparents throughout our, our church family. You know, it's uh, reliving Christmas through the eyes of a kid is neat too, isn't it? As you get to pick your kid up and look through the window in, of the, uh, the stable or the cave or whatever it was into the manger and explain again, this baby in the manger is God. And, you know, as a kid, there's that simple, okay, but as a mom, as a dad, as adults, we, we say that and then we hear ourselves and the beauty, the wonder, the mystery of the incarnation hits us all over again, doesn't it? How? Really? And, and why? And so this Christmas, we've been asking really the question, why would God become a human? Why? And uh, today we are going to, to answer that through, in, through God's word, or he answers that in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Three verses. I'll share the big idea. We'll unpack these verses, but, but just to, to know where we're going, God's design for us is to become like him, to, to, to be transformed, to be like him as we open his word and see him. And as we see him through his word, when we really see him, it changes us. It, it transforms us. And so that's the hope today. The, uh, the big idea is this. Here's the, the big idea of the day. God became one of us so that we would come to him with confidence in our time of need. So God became one of us so that we would come to him. And the, the key words, they're with confidence in our time of need. 
God became human to compel us, to, to move us, to, to draw us into his presence in our time of need. If you were to boil down the message into three words today, here it is. Come with confidence is the calling of God through his word. So to ready our souls to absorb this truth, I, I think it would be helpful for us to make a run back down memory lane and do a, a, a point in our lives when um, you were intimidated. So if you were to say, okay, over the course of my life, here are my top 10 most intimidating moments, times when I was intimidated, what would make your list? Thinking back, what, what are times that you were intimidated? Maybe it was a time when you were in the presence of a position of great, a person of great position or power. I immediately thought of the Oval Office. Has anyone been in the Oval Office with the president? That, that would have to be very intimidating. Um, maybe it was a time that you failed and it was time to face the music, you know, and you had to walk into the presence of your mom or your dad or your coach or your boss or a police officer. Intimidating moments. What, what rises to the, to the top in your list? Is there a front runner? As I was reflecting on running down memory lane this week, being back at our alma mater, Cedarville University, it, and by the way, so good to see our students there and, and thriving and going. But immediately my mind ran to a mo- an intimidating moment that happened on that campus. And it was, I had the opportunity to be a part of a team that was creating uh, chapels, the student chapels that would, we'd have a chapel on Friday. And so we were coming up with these great ideas. We had this creative brainstorm. What if we, and just brilliant, life-altering brainstorm, what if we brought a live horse into chapel? I still have no idea what point that would, that would make, but, but we thought it was a good idea. Well, this, the adult in charge flinched and was like, ah, that could go bad. That needs presidential clearance. You're going to have to ask the president, Dr. Dixon. No problem. We'll ask him. So we, we, who gets to go ask Dr., Dr. Dixon? Well, unfortunately, I drew the short straw. So called, set an appointment. And the day of the appointment, I remember walking up those steps, felt like I was entering the third heaven, made it up. Walked into his outer sanctuary, the outer part of his office where his administrative assistant, all business was there. And she assigned me to go sit in that couch and wait for my time. And as I sat there in that couch, I remember that feeling of just sinking, um, growing or shrinking in in the plushness of, of presidential royalty. And in the midst of that, also the idea of bringing a horse into chapel began to seem very foolish. The, uh, and I was intimidated. I'm just like, should I just get up and go and hey, cancel this appointment? Dr. Dixon would be the first to tell you he loved us as students, and we knew that. But he was not the kind of personality that made you feel. Uh, he didn't give off the warm, fuzzy friendship vibes. He was intimidating. So when the door, that oak door, opened, and there he stands in his suit, and he ushers me in. He had his big, you know, mahogany desk sits me across the desk in this little chair. And so what would you like to talk to me about? We would like to bring a horse into chapel. <laughs> he smiled and then uh, said, well, and he educated me on horses. He said, when a horse uses the restroom, it's not a dribble. It is buckets. So if you can guarantee me that horse will not make a mess, go for it. Being an optimist, <laughs> we'll do it. And we look back on that moment. God had mercy on us as a student 
team and the horse held it during chapel. I, I did not have to go back into that intimidating office. And, uh, but I tell that story to hopefully bring to mind a story in your own experience that brings you back to that feeling of being intimidated. And it's, it's real. But, but with this reality in mind, whatever it was that was intimidating you and me or whoever it was that intimidated us, that intimidating presence was infinitely, is infinitely less than the intimidating presence of our God. And you stop and when you really stop and think about who he is, that our God is, he dwells in unapproachable light. He is power that, that um, would just, if we saw his glory in full, if we entered the, the presence of his glory fully manifested, it would disintegrate us in an, in an instant, instant death. He is not only uh, majestic and, and powerful, but, but he is holy. He is um, good in a way that, that is intimidating. How do we enter the presence of a holy God? We know that uh, our reflex, as we think about his holiness, his greatness, his majesty is, and fittingly so, to fall on our face. We see that throughout scriptures where those who were given a glimpse of his glory just, they went face down. And yet we know his heart is to draw us to himself, to be close to him. And so how do we come to our God? How does that happen? And that's where the text takes us today. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16, three truths emerge that lead to to really a reason to celebrate. We see the first one there in in verses, or I'll read through the text and then we'll, we'll break these truths down. Verse 14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us in our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The first truth we see here is Jesus Christ is our great high priest. Back to verse 14 again, he says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, so we see Jesus, this is, he ascends his work on the cross done, his deity there, Jesus, the son of God. We know Jesus wasn't be, uh, born of God, he has always been, but he relates within the Trinity as the son, reflecting the father, and, uh, and in that father-son relationship, he says, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, the gospel truths, or, or to, um, because we have him as our high priest. So what is a high priest? So we know a high priest is someone who stands between a holy God and sinful humanity. He is a, a, a mediator. He's the one who offers a sacrifice that atones for our sin, for, for sinful humanity, covers so that that God can forgive us. His sacrifice, and we know a blood sacrifice was required to cover the sins that that, um, really deserve our life. 
Think about the Old Testament and um, all the, the regulations that went with a high priest. A high priest one time a year would enter the presence of the Holy of Holies and offer that sacrifice. We know that all these sacrifices that were offered, animals that were, were killed on behalf of, to pay the sin debt of people were temporary and um, insufficient to fully cover their sins and were shadows pointing to the sacrifice, which would be our Lord and Savior as our great high priest offering himself on our behalf. Last week, Tyson unpacked the beautiful reality that Jesus took on humanity so that he might live the perfect life that we failed to live and die in our place to set us free from the penalty of our sin and also the, the fear of death. The summary is so good in Hebrews chapter 10 verses 11 to 14 where he says, the, the writer says this, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, speaking of Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Love that picture of his work is finished. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he was made perfect forever. He made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And today in this moment, our high priest sits at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding for us um, through him. And it's through him that we're able to enter the presence of God. But it says, it's as we think if, if you can just picture yourself coming to the throne room of God again and um, standing at his door to knock and Lord I need help or coming in prayer we still feel our, you feel the intimidation of he is infinitely above me in every way there's an unworthiness just because of his majesty but there's also an unworthiness that that we feel I feel because of my sinfulness the fact that I still I'm broken, I'm still in process, I still sin, I still need mercy. And it's this truth that just bids us come. We have a great high priest. And the, the good news of the gospel, this is the gospel, we come into the presence of a holy God, not based on our merits, our goodness, our life, our performance over the past couple of weeks. We come solely based on the merits of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who died in our place, gave his life a sacrifice pleasing to the Father that forever covers our sin debt. And what a, a precious truth he's reminding us, us of here. But again, even with this in mind, I, I think about my human weakness and like how many times I've failed. And, and is God frustrated with me or just annoyed by me? Does he, does he really want me to come into his presence and this is where this next verse speaks hope and joy. In verse 15, he says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our, our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. The second truth here is that we have a, high, a great high priest, or Jesus is our great high priest, who empathizes with us in our weaknesses. To say it another way, our weaknesses, our failures, both our sin and our um, just being human, are, are, we're in process. 
these don't drive him away from us. They draw him to us. The word empathize is a compound word in the Greek. It means to suffer with. To, to its solidarity with our suffering. In his humanity, he is able to feel what we feel. The, the point of this verse, really the, the, the burden of this verse is to let us know that, that when God became human, he became human so that we might understand that, that he, he knows um, our hurts. He knows our pains. He knows what it's like to be human. It, he knows what it's like to live within the limits of, of our humanity, the frustrations the, the joys of it, but the, the emphasis here is the pain of it. He knows what it's like to be human in all of our weakness. He was, you think about all the ways that we see this in the scriptures where he was sad. He, he cried real tears. He sobbed. He knows what it's like to be tired, you know, and um, just need time alone and time with, with his father. He knows what it's like to be frustrated, to be um, hungry and thirsty. He knows what it's like to be lonely. He knows what it's like to be poor. He knows what it's like to wake up on Monday morning, and, or um, for them it was Sunday morning, first day of their week, but to go to work when you didn't really feel like going to work. He knows what it's like to, to have brothers and sisters that may, may not respect you, and to be abused even by um, the authorities of the day that should have been serving. He knows what it's like to be angry, to be betrayed, and yet this text reminds us he was tempted, and it's that idea of being tested, could be um, tempted to sin or, or just test, faith tested. He knows what it's like to be tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And this is that reality where not only did he come, take on humanity to empathize with us, but also to give us an example of how to live a life that's pleasing to our Father. And just love this picture Jesus is the example we follow, isn't it? And how many times have, you know, you wondered, what do I do in this situation? And you're able to look at him through scripture at how he lived his, his life. A new way to be human. A new way to, he came to create a new race of humanity. One born not of flesh and blood, but born of the spirit, born of his word, that, that we might follow him. And he is, as a church family, one of our things we talk about. Who are we? Our DNA, we are Jesus-focused always and only, Jesus-focused, Jesus-focused. Why? He shows us what it's like to be human. Our hope and our prayer is that we would live our lives as he would live our lives if he were in our shoes. So why did God become human? It was to share in our suffering, to empathize with us. The, uh, the emphasis in this verse, again, is his solidarity with us in our weakness. I love the way Dane Ortland puts it. He writes, Jesus is pained in our suffering. He feels the suffering as his own, even though it isn't. Not that his invincible divinity is threatened, but in the sense that his heart is feeling drawn into our distress. So this morning, right now, we all probably have a problem we're wrestling with. We have a, a pain point. We have something that's threatening our, our peace, threatening to cause us to be anxious, afraid, hurt. You have a high priest who fills that with you now. And I know that's hard to wrap our minds around. It took me all week. I'm still trying to absorb that into my soul. 
but he fills with you now. He does. In, in his humanity, and how does he do that for all people? I don't know. We don't know. But the truth of his word is he does now. He fills your pain, my pain. He gets it. And so that brings us to the third question. Okay, we have a great high priest who empathizes with us in our weaknesses. So what, what, what impact does that make on my life? What difference does that make? And this is the calling of God in this text. And this is the sweet reality. Here it comes in verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Third truth we have a great high priest who empathizes with us in our weakness so that we will approach God's throne of grace with confidence to receive the mercy and the grace that we need that, that we, um, to help us in our time of need. Why did God become human? And this is the mind-bending, joy-giving, life-transforming truth. God became human so that we would be compelled, we would be moved, we would be drawn to come into his presence to seek him with confidence when we are in a point of need, when we, ha- we need his mercy, we need his grace. So when you need help, he wants to be your first move, your first call, your first turn. He wants to be the place that you go for shelter and for comfort and for strength, for grace and for mercy. So when you fail him, when you're tempted and you give in again, he wants to be the place you turn to find mercy, to receive mercy. And when you need grace and you're feeling weak, and as humans, we feel weak in so many categories, don't we? It seems like we feel, the human experience is more feeling weak than feeling strong. And yet he says, hey, I have a reservoir of grace that that I'm waiting to give you. Come to me. Come to me. I want to be your first turn. Come to me with confidence. The enemy, I believe the enemy of our soul is shouting unworthy, right? He doesn't want us approaching God's throne. And yet throughout scripture, if you read it, and the Holy Spirit through his word is continually shouting, come, isn't he? Come. Jesus, remember when he shouts, come, you who are weary and burdened, come into my presence. Find rest with me. You see it through the prophets, Isaiah, come, you who are thirsty, come. The last um, page of the book, Revelation chapter 22, what's the spirit shouting? Come. Receive, this is the calling of God to sinful people, to broken people. Come into my presence. Come. And don't you love it? Of all the titles God could have placed on his throne, what title does he place? What does he inscribe on his throne for us? He could have placed creator. He could have placed sustainer. He could have placed king of kings, majesty. He could have placed Lord of lords. And what's the one word he puts on his throne? grace. Undeserved favor. Why? It's here we see his glory. His his passion, his heart is to give us what we don't deserve through his son, Jesus Christ, to welcome us home into his presence as his kids, to redeem us. I love what John Calvin writes. The basis of this confidence to enter God's presence 
is that the throne of God is not marked by naked majesty, which overpowers us. God doesn't power up over us, shame us. It's adorned with a new name, grace. This is the name we ought to always keep in mind when we avoid the sight of God. And by the way, side note, this is the name that should mark our ministry with each other, isn't it? It's not a, as we interact with each other, may our life, may our church be a place of grace, just as he is for us. So our fitting response today is to come to him. During the the, uh, mornings, often as when we're, as pastors do, uh, Developing content and seeking God in prayer and in study. For, for me anyway, morning is the time I need focus. And so I'll shut the door. The staff all knows you can, you're free to come in. But usually when they um, come in, they'll knock. Wes, not always, but I know it's him when, when he does it. <laughs> but, but, uh, but occasionally, there's a, uh, the door will just fly open all of a sudden. And I know, and I love that moment because it's one of our little kids. Back in the day, it was our little kids, Chad and Jess. But today it's our kid, our staff kids, a Molly or, or a Mason, Ada, Tan and Ray, will just come barreling in. And I love that because it reminds me of the relationship that God calls us to have with our Heavenly Father. He wants us to come into His presence as children, right? Beautiful picture. Come to me. Come to me. Radio host Paul Harvey used to share this story Every Christmas Eve, and I think he's gone on to glory, and I've shared this on a Christmas Eve, and it's so good to illustrate this truth. So I'll share it again with us today, and, and it's, uh, he, he says this. Now, the man to whom I'm going to introduce to you was not a, a Scrooge. He was a kind, decent, mostly good man, generous to his family, upright in his dealings with other men, but he just didn't believe all that incarnation stuff, which the church has talked, uh, talked about at Christmas. It just didn't make sense. And he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He, he just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. I'm sorry to upset you, he told his wife, but I'm not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite, that he'd much rather just stay home, but that he would wait up for them. So he stayed and they went to, as they went to the midnight service. But shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier and then went back to his fireside chair and began to read his book. Minutes later, he was startled by a thud and then another thud. At first, he thought someone might be throwing snowballs against their living room window, but when he went to the front door to investigate, he saw a flock of birds huddled there in the cold. They had been caught in the storm and in desperate search for shelter, they had tried to fly through his large picture window. Well, he couldn't just let the poor creatures lie there and freeze, so he remembered the barn where they stabled their pony. He would provide a warm shelter, so he put on his boots and his coat, tramped through the snow to the barn. He opened the doors wide, turned on the light, but the birds refused to come in. Maybe food would entice him, he thought, so he went to the fridge, got some, or uh, to the counter, got some bread breadcrumbs, scattered them along the path into the barn. But to his dismay, the the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flop around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them by walking behind them, but they just scattered in every direction except into the warm, lighted barn. And then he realized, they're afraid of me. To them, he reasoned, "I, I am a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them, but to help them. But how? 
because any move he made tended to frighten and to confuse them. If only I could be a bird, he thought to himself, and mingle with them and speak their language. Then I could tell them that to not be afraid. Then I could show them the way to the safe barn. To the safe, warm barn. But I would have to be one of them so they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the sounds of the wind. He stood there listening to the bells, ringing out the good news of Christmas, and then he sank to his knees in the snow. Why did God become human? And you know, in that incredible reality, this mystery, this wonder of the incarnation goes from here to here. It changes us, doesn't it? He took on humanity so that we would come to him with confidence when we're in pain, when we're needing healing, when we're needing hope and help. He became human so that we would come to him and find the the mercy and the grace that we need. And as that truth takes root in our hearts, it also leads to worship, doesn't it? And just think, we have a God like this. Man, we have a, a great high priest who empathizes with us in our weakness so that we might come to him with boldness, with confidence to receive all that we need, mercy and grace in our times of need. This is the God we teach our kids about. This is the God we walk with, that we run to. This is the God that we worship. This is why we sing on Christmas, isn't it? This is the why. And we praise and worship him today. Join me in prayer. As we go to prayer, I'll just invite you to express to him the need that you're feeling today. And where is your pain point? Maybe it's for mercy. If you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, His invitation is open to you today. And He offers forgiveness for your sin and eternal life, a relationship with with God through faith in Him. And I invite you to receive His mercy today. If, If you know Him and uh, there's something that's come between you and Him and you need His mercy, I invite you to confess that. Let him know his grace is there for you today, his forgiveness, his mercy. And then in what area of your life do you need grace? I found myself just praying, Lord, I need grace for this. I need grace for that today. So what would those things be in your life? Father, we thank you for your love for us, and we kneel before you as King of kings, Lord of lords, creator, sustainer, majesty, holy, infinitely above us in every category, and yet your glory is seen most beautifully in your grace and your mercy given to us through Jesus, and Jesus, we thank you for coming for us. 
for taking on humanity, becoming our high priest, but one that empathizes. And today we thank you that you hurt with us. But but that you don't just hurt, but you bring healing. You bring mercy, you bring grace. And I pray for my brothers and sisters today, Lord, and that this would be a holy moment where you touch hearts that need to be touched, that you would heal us as only you can. Give us your peace where we need peace, hope, strength. Grow our faith. Fill us with your love. Give us what we need. Father, I pray for the, the day, the calling that you put on each of our lives. Lord, fill us with the joy of our salvation today. And as we celebrate Christmas, may this reality just be center in our minds. You took on humanity so that we would come to you with confidence in our time of need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.